You're tuned in to the Benton County Public Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Benton County Government, at your service every day. Benton County is a great place to live and work. For more information about Benton County and a career with Benton County, you can visit co.benton.or.us. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Benton County Public Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into topics the community cares about. My name is Dan Crawl. I'm your host and producer. At Benton County, we strive to be transparent, and we welcome your feedback. You can always feel free to reach out to piointo at bentoncountyor.gov with any questions or feedback. That's piointo at bentoncountyor.gov. On today's episode, we're visiting with Scott Kruger, who is a registered environmental health specialist for Benton County. He is also the acting environmental health manager for Benton County as of April 2022. Thanks, Scott, for your time. Thank you for having me. We are also joined by Corey Grogan, who is the Benton County Public Information Officer. Thanks for joining us on this episode today. Thanks, Dan. Happy to be here. Corey, we do a number of topics on the Benton County Public Podcast. We, we think of ideas that might be of interest to the community. What specifically uh, led you to want to discuss water quality and uh, the, the environmental health program today? Well, really, I, I mean, I wanted to educate the public about the environmental health program. And part of this program is to let folks know that there's a lot of great things that we're doing uh, in the county that they don't always know about. The environmental health program is a small but mighty program, and uh, it oversees the regulation of groundwater well systems, septic system installation and repair, animal bite investigations, and the inspection of facilities that require a state license. This includes restaurants, uh, mobile food carts, hotels, pools, spas, organizational camps, retail tobacco outlets, and uh, recreational vehicle parks. The program also inspects child care facilities, food service in public schools, and food service at the Greek Life Housing at Oregon State. Uh, so, and the program also uh, conducts investigations into foodborne illnesses. And I know that Scott has a, a, a team um, comprised of environmental health specialists registered with the state, administrative support personnel, uh, a retail tobacco sales specialist, and climate adaptation specialists. Uh, so their program provides a lot of education and support to the community, uh, ensuring compliance with state public health laws, and I know they take a lot of pride in what they do. And uh, Scott Scott Kruger, who is the acting uh, environmental health manager as of April 2022, uh, is also a delegate for Benton County with the Oregon Health Authority Drinking Water Services. That is correct. What all does that entail? So my, my role as a delegate for drinking water services, um, again, I have oversight of all of the small groundwater systems that are regulated and have a population of 3,300 people or less. 
which means that I'm uh, actively monitoring for water quality alerts for bacterial or chemical alerts, addressing monitoring and reporting violations. I inspect those systems um, as well um, on a defined schedule every three to five years. Um, and if those uh, if those systems have what's defined as significant deficiencies or rule violations, I work with them to bring them back into compliance. And then uh, as well, um, as people are having uh, violations, uh, their systems are scored. And so if you have a system score that's 11 or higher, you're considered a priority non-complier. And it's my job to make sure we get you back into compliance and get those scores down below 11. How do you determine then um, who is in compliance and who's not? Do you just do random testing? So that's a great question. Um, the small groundwater systems are required to do testing based on uh, the category that they're in. And so at the highest level, we have a community groundwater system that is, uh, serves 25 or more year-round residents. And they have a specific uh, set of analytes that they have to test. And we can certainly go into, that, uh, into those uh, if you would like. Um, and then the next level is called non-transient, non-community, which would be much like a school. So we have a population of 25 people that are on the same property uh, for at least six months out of the year. Then we have the transient, non-community, which would look like a campground, a wayside, uh, an area where people come and visit, but then they leave. And then Oregon has a small system category that's called Oregon Very Small Systems, where we have these small uh, communities with uh, less than 14 connections who are, are regulated and have a different subset of rules that addresses them. Is there a lot of that in Benton County? There are. There are 23 uh, Oregon Very Small Systems, 10 community systems, 15 of the non-transient non-community, excuse me, 12 of the non-transient non-community and 15 non-community is for a total of 60. So the, I have oversight of 60 small groundwater systems that serve a population of just a little over 4,000 people. What kind of equipment do you usually use to test? So testing isn't actually on me. It's actually on uh, the operators of the systems to test. And so they will uh, get testing bottles from uh, a local lab and, and or contract with a lab to come out and do that testing for them. Does this position keep you pretty busy? Are there a lot of inspections and follow-up? And yeah, Absolutely true. There's never a dull moment in environmental health. There are always inspections to do, um, questions to answer, um, email traffic, um, internal and external communications. Um, <clears throat> never ends. How does the compliance system work? So the compliance system works in, in the sense that um, each water system has a set of criteria, um, chemical analytes uh, and uh, bacterial testing that they're required to submit on a prescribed schedule. Depending on the type of system you are, the, uh, will depend on the type of schedule that you have. Um, they're required to submit that information uh, through an accredited lab to the state. And if the uh, bacterial or chemical uh, 
tests come uh, out in uh, not a favorable result, then uh, it generates an alert. And then I'm required to follow up on that alert to make sure that we're uh, working with the system to get them back into compliance. And then, um, you know, there are as a category of, of violations, uh, if we have uh, generally monitoring and reporting violations for, say, I was supposed to submit a quarterly bacterial report to the state and I uh, neglected to do that, that would uh, uh, show a violation and I would get notified and then I'm required to contact the system and let them know that they received a violation and how they should correct it or what steps need to be taken to correct it. How are you generally received when, uh, when you show up? I think that um, the way that I would describe us being received in the community is that generally you're um, being scrutinized, um, evaluated, tested, if you will. And so that always comes with amount of uh, tension and apprehension, if you will. And um, uh, I always describe it as generally when we arrive, people are on stress level 20. And my job is to try to get them below stress level 10, keep them calm, let them know that we're there to help them. you know, we have a vested interest in their being business being open and successful because their fees uh, support our program. And so not only are we trying to protect the public health, but we're also trying to help the business operator by making sure that they have the information that they need to be successful. So if they have to pay a fine, then that's part of the funding for this program? Uh, generally, or- our program does not issue fines. There are some instances where uh, people could be issued civil penalty, but it's very rare. You try to work away from that? Absolutely. Scott Kruger is joining us today. He is the Acting Environmental Health Manager of Benton County as of April of 2022, also a delegate for Benton County with the Oregon Health Authority Drinking Water Services. And today we're talking about what his job looks like, what the process of compliance looks like, Why don't you talk about some of the emerging issues that um, uh, are facing people with domestic wells or or beyond? The prominent uh, issue that we've dealt with um, over the years extensively is high levels of nitrates. Um, The maximum contaminant level for nitrates is 10 parts per million. And uh, what we should know is that um, our county or or a portion of our county is in the southern Willamette Valley groundwater management area. And that area specifically looks at elevated levels of nitrates. It would be hard to determine exactly where those nitrates are coming from, meaning that they're non-point source. We couldn't exactly point to an industry or one particular issue that's raising those levels of nitrates. We're in uh, the grass seed capital of the world, which means that we're using fertilizers that are adding nitrification. We have uh, lots of industry along the Willamette River that are adding nitrification. We have uh, lots of private property owners rurally that are on uh, septic systems that are adding nitrates to the the groundwater. So again, we we can't point at any one thing, but we're trying to work with uh, the EPA and the DEQ uh, through uh, public education, monitoring wells to monitor those levels of nitrates and uh, 
try to get those background levels uh, uh, below the maximum contaminant levels and and work with everybody in the community to try and reduce our burden uh, to uh, our groundwater aquifers with, with the added nitrification. So anyone listening could understand that using fertilizers is one source of nitrates. Correct. What are some other sources? Could be effluent from industry. It could be... Uh, uh, from uh, septic systems um, not being functioning properly. It obviously could look like um, over-fertilizing, uh, uh, using t- excess fertilizers on your lawn or on your grass seed field or, uh, you know, your vegetable garden. Um, it could be, could be lots of sources of nitrates. I have a neighbor who every year he has this routine of putting lots of chemicals on his lawn. Every summer he has these burned brown looking spots, whereas us neighbors who don't touch our grass all year, it stays green mysteriously. Well, (laughs) that would probably look like your neighbor (laughs) needing to read his instructions about proper application of... of, I I think he's going for that golf course look, but it, it never quite works out. Right, right. Looks like the neighborhood dog has been visiting instead. I, I think the uh, advice would be to, uh, you know, application uh, instructions are very important, and they're there for a reason. What are some other uh, causes of, you know, maybe lead contamination in water? Right, um, and that's and that's a great question. Um, I think that we all understand, um, in some level, what happened in Flint, Michigan. It um, it started a uh, serious nationwide review of, of lead and copper issues um, a, a across the country. Um, specifically, uh, w- what's emerging right now is uh, um, a, it's called the lead and copper rule revision. And part of that rule revision that um, for, for the facilities that I or the systems that I have oversight of, uh, the community systems and the non-transient non-community systems have to do a service line inventory of their systems to show that they're using piping uh, that does not introduce lead. Um, I think in the Portland area, uh, for example, uh, you would have looked at uh, Multnomah County, Portland, um, having some very old infrastructure that had possibly lead goosenecks that need to be removed and or uh, there are systems out there that may have lead service lines that need to be uh, repaired or replaced. And so right now we're at the inventory level and asking these systems to look historically at the information that they have um, and try to determine uh, what is their infrastructure. Is it uh, PVC? Is it PEX? Uh, You know, the newer type of plastic piping and connections. Um, Is it over galvanized? Do we have... um, you know, lead solder being used on connections, um, actually looking at their systems and, and reporting out exactly what we have and then working towards it to remediate that. So if somebody who is listening is maybe a renter and doesn't really have control over replacing the pipes in the building that they live in, are there filtration systems that you would say are effective enough in fighting the levels of lead that we might be experiencing in Benton County or in a particularly old building, for instance? It's, it's a seriously emerging topic. Um, I, I suppose I could give you an example. Um, we, we had a community water system that um, 
uh, lead and copper go hand in hand. You don't test one without the other. It's called the lead and copper rule. So um, this particular system had a high level of uh, copper and, and it's in a community system with privately owned homes. So what we can't do is to go to that homeowner and say, your home's testing high for lead. You have to replace all the piping. What they end up doing is uh, having to treat the system with a chemical called orthophosphate. It actually coats the pipe, um, reduces corrosion and, ero- and erosion, and it affects the whole system rather than targeting just the one homeowner or the two homeowners that might be testing high. They're in the system. It, it does affect their health but we're treating the overall system, not just the individual. Certainly, if the homeowner wanted to replace pipes, that would be favorable, but um, obviously we can't go in and ask them to do that. Um, we, we, we affect change over the whole system, not just the individual. And I would imagine that replacing pipes is, is not exactly the cheapest it is not. expense. It is not. We're visiting with Scott Kruger, who is a registered environmental health specialist for Benton County. We are also joined by Corey Grogan, who is the public information officer for Benton County. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. My name is Dan Crawl, and we'll be back after a short break. Do you know about fentanyl? Fentanyl is a powerful opioid that has made its way into the illegal drug supply. Fentanyl has no taste or smell and is being sold as common pills or in party drugs. Just a tiny amount can stop your breathing in seconds. Naloxone is a medication to reverse opioid overdose and can help save lives. It is available at no cost to certain individuals. Benton County Health Department wants everyone to learn more about fentanyl, naloxone, and ways to stay safe. You can type fentanyl aware Benton County into your search engine to learn more. That's F-E-N-T-A-N-Y-L-A-W-A-R-E in Benton County. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Benton County Government at your service every day. Benton County is a great place to live and work. You can find more information about Benton County as well as a career with Benton County at co.benton.or.us. Glad you tuned in today to the Benton County Public Podcast. This is episode four. We are joined by Scott Kruger, who is a registered environmental health specialist for Benton County. We are also joined by Corey Grogan, the public information officer for Benton County. Thanks, Dan. Um, Glad to have you on, Scott. I know we've been having some conversations about the importance of the environmental health program and really how this fits into Benton County's um, long-term vision for environmental health. So you and I were talking about some recent water system surveys that you've done, and I was wondering if maybe you could give us an example of one of those surveys and talk about why that's important and kind of how it fits into our our vision for the future when it comes to environmental health. Absolutely. So the systems that are are surveyed are the community, uh, non-transient, non-community, and the uh, the transient, non-community systems. Um, Those are uh, inspected on every three to five years. The community systems, um, every three, unless they are 
uh, deemed an outstanding performer, and then they get a five-year schedule. Uh, the other two are on a five-year schedule. I'll go to a system. I have a prescribed set of criteria that I, I'm looking at that talks about system information, um, infrastructure, monitoring schedules, general uh, operations of, of the system, as well as uh, paperwork, uh, emergency response plans, <clears throat> maintenance and operation manuals, sampling schedules, um, these types of things. And then when I do the inspections, if we find rule violations or uh, what we can uh, call significant deficiencies, we list those out on the report, provide the operator with a cover letter, uh, they have a prescribed timeline to uh, make those corrections, or we can work with those systems to get them a little bit of an extension. But the main focus of my job is to get those folks recognize things that are going wrong with the system and get them back into um, compliance. So so give me an example of um, a recent inspection that you've done and kind of how that panned out. Um, certainly, yeah. I've, uh, I recently did a, a system that was non-transient, non-community with a new operator, um, uh, systems new to them, um, l- uh, lots of paperwork that needs to be done, um, education and outreach to make sure they understand uh, what they need to do. Certainly had a, a number of significant deficiencies. Um, I, again, working with those folks to uh, address those deficiencies, make sure they have the information that they need so that they can uh, be successful and understand uh, what they need to do, when they need to do it, how they need to do it. When we're talking about Corvallis, Monroe, Philomath, or Adair, and it's right here, those systems are, are treating surface water. So Monroe is pulling off the Long Tom, Corvallis is pulling off the Willamette and the Rock Creek Reservoir, Philomath is pulling off of the Mary's River, and Adair is pulling off of the Willamette River as well. So those are large complex systems that have lots of multiple levels of, of treatment and uh, are, we're in Region 2 for the drinking water program, so our Region 2 technical specialists have oversight of of those water systems. And so unless you're in Monroe, Corvallis, Philomath, or Adair, everybody else is on groundwater and septic. And so that's why that's important because we know that our climate is changing. We know that aquifers aren't recharging adequately. We have lots of areas in the county where we have uh, low yield wells, meaning that they're producing less than five gallons a minute that may need to add storage to supplement their system. We're monitoring all of those systems uh, to make sure that the, um, the chemicals that are in the water and any, any bacterial issues in the water are being monitored and uh, corrected as needed. So, Scott, what do they, does the public need to know or what can the public do to um, contribute to helping make our, our water systems cleaner? What I would tell you first and foremost is that all information about public water systems is public. The website is yourwater.oregon.gov. What kind of information is at that website? Lots of data, um, just general demographics about the system, um, who's, who's in charge of the system, their address, contact phone numbers, any testing that they've done, their monitoring schedules, historical test results. It's all listed there. And I really invite uh, people who are living in a public water system, if they 
want a tutorial on how to navigate the system, they are more than welcome to uh, reach me um, here at the county and I will be more than happy to uh, go over their particular website for their water system and, and show them the ins and outs of, of, of that. What's an email they can reach out to you at? It's uh, scott.kruger at bentoncountyor.gov. One of the points that I wanted to make, and Scott, you and I have talked about this, is when we take these inspections and look at them um, one at a time, they're small parts, but they really play into a bigger picture and why what we're doing and what the public's doing um, is important to the long-term health of our water systems. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, at the most basic level, we need food, water, and shelter. And um, w without the water piece, um, we're not going to live. And so um, understanding uh, your groundwater and uh, how you get your groundwater and uh, understanding, um, you know, if it's contaminated with uh, bacteria or chemicals um, is, is highly important. And I, I, I can't advocate enough for people to be educated about where their source of water is from and, and how, how it's being treated and, um, and all of the testing and uh, monitoring that goes behind it. Um, you know, community members need to advocate for themselves and they need to be informed. And um, that's a major component of what I do is making sure that people have the information that they need, uh, understanding where to get that information and uh, what we do to help keep uh, the system in, in compliance with state law. Would you say that a lot of the systems you look at, are they at least close to being in compliance with state law? Well, I can answer that question by is if you went into uh, the data that showed uh, system scores. Uh, right now, the systems that I regulate, I have no systems that are considered priority non-compliers. Everybody has a score of less than 10. You might see some numbers in there in the four or five range where people have had some monitoring reporting issues. Um, depending on the severity of the issue, um, it depends on uh, what the point value is. Um, uh, the highest would be a point value of 10. Let's say if you uh, your system wasn't contaminated with E. coli, um, there's a fair amount of work that goes into uh, uh, monitoring, uh, testing, and remediating those kinds of issues. Um, but uh, right now, as of today, uh, we have no systems uh, that are scoring um, at a higher higher than uh, 11. What might cause an E. coli contamination specifically? Well, specifically, it's fecal contamination of the groundwater. So in some way, um, whether it's in the distribution system or whether it's at the entry point, meaning where the water is usable in, in the well, so to speak, it's, it's fecal contamination. And it could be animal or human fecal contamination. That's correct. Right. Exactly. I've inspected wellheads where uh, we had burrowing animals around the wellhead that needed to be remediated um, and causing E. coli issues. And we've had other E. coli issues where it was undetermined where the contamination was coming from, but in some way uh, it was getting into the aquifer and into the distribution system. We're speaking with Scott Kruger. He is a delegate for Benton County with the Oregon Health Authority Drinking Water Services. He is also the Acting Environmental Health Manager as of April 2022. 
and a registered environmental health specialist for Benton County. And we are joined by Corey Grogan, the public information officer for Benton County. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. Benton County is searching for new team members to join its team, including an environmental health program manager. Benton County provides numerous career opportunities. Whether you're just starting out, established in your career, or looking for a post-career opportunity, Benton County could be your next step. Learn about the latest employment opportunities, current benefits, and a variety of services to help you enjoy a rewarding career in local government. To learn more about your future career at Benton County, reach out to pioinfo at co.benton.or.us. That's pioinfo at co.benton.or.us. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. Scott, wanted to check with you. We've talked a little bit uh, about what government does and specifically the county to protect our water systems. But really, when we look at the big picture and our future and especially the vision for having a clean environment, uh, and specifically water systems in Benton County, it comes down to individuals and the public. And so what does the public need to know about what they can do to help uh, protect our water systems in Benton County? I think... um you know, water conservation is probably first and foremost on my mind. Um, we have lots of area in the county that have low-yield wells. So, um, you know, watching how much you're watering your uh, your garden, how much usage you're using on uh, watering your lawns. Um, certainly our personal habits of trying not to leave the water running while we're brushing our teeth or uh, leaving water running if we're, you know, hand-washing dishes. Um those are those are some basic things that you can do inside of your home um, to protect your groundwater source, um, understanding where your well is positioned, um, making sure that it's not too close to your septic system, which would possibly cause contamination, understanding what your neighbors are doing um, around you, having a good understanding of we all have our straw in the cup, so to speak, and how many straws are in the cup and how, how many people are drawing off that, that really honestly gets into, uh, you know, water rights. Um, if you're in an area where, where water rights are an issue and there are many water rights issues in the state of Oregon, uh, um, going to all Oregon Water Resources and checking on your water rights status. Um, if you're somebody that's uh, irrigating, um, uh, that would be an important area to review. There's all kinds of things people can do to understand um, aquifer recharge, hydrogeology, protecting their groundwater source from chemical or bacterial contaminants from either themselves or what their neighbors are doing. Um, lots and lots of resources out there for folks to pursue. I think it just helps to understand we are all in this together. No one's asking you to be perfect, but just be aware of these things. If you have a mindfulness about water usage, it kind of comes natural that you're aware of not wasting it. And you realize that even though we do get uh, plenty of rain here in Western Oregon, water is still a very precious resource. And 
I mean, there are parts of the world where people are fighting wars over drinking water. It's nothing to be uh, scoffed at, and we should treat it as a precious resource just by simply being mindful and understanding that you're just one of billions of people on this planet. That's a great point. Um, We need to not lose sight of that we're still in a drought. We had a high water year, but we are still in a drought, no matter where you are in the state. And if you really look at people in uh, eastern Oregon, particularly Hardy County, they're struggling for groundwater. They're struggling for enough water to sustain their personal selves, but also keep their businesses and their agriculture afloat. And uh, um, there's lots of people out there doing a lot of work at a lot of different levels, trying to do surveys and work to make sure that we have enough groundwater to to meet our needs. And so it's it's an important topic. We all need to be involved um, because, like I said earlier, if we don't have water, uh, we can't survive. Do not say at your service every day because it's something nice to say. It's our value and how we value our citizenry in this county. And so I really invite people, if they're having questions about groundwater, they should feel free to reach out to me. Um, And specifically, if they want to know where their public information is housed and how they can access it, I'm more than willing to uh, talk to anybody on any day about uh, where that information is housed and how to navigate the state website so that they can see where their information is and, um, and really advocate for themselves. Can you give us your email one more time? Sure. It's scott.kruger, S-C-O-T-T dot K-R-U-G-E-R at bentoncountyor.gov. Is phone a good way to reach you? My direct line is a 541-766-6650. We've been speaking with Scott Kruger, who is the Acting Environmental Health Manager for Benton County as of April 2022. He is also a registered environmental health specialist and a delegate for Benton County with the Oregon Health Authority Drinking Water Services. We've also been joined today by Corey Grogan, our executive producer of this podcast and the public information officer for Benton County. My name is Dan Crawl. Glad you could join us today for Benton County Public Podcast, episode number four. Have a good rest of your day. The Benton County Fair is going on from August 2nd through the 5th at Benton County Fairgrounds. On Saturday the 5th, there will be KISS and ACDC tribute bands. There will also be concerts throughout the fair featuring Lanco, Kurt Van Meter, Remedy, Chase Beckham, and Radical Revolution. Concerts are free when you pay the fair admission. The fair goes from Wednesday, August 2nd through Saturday, August 5th. And you can find more information online at bentoncountyfair.net.